Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Matt Hurst from FasterSkier.com. Excuse the relatively noisy environment. I am back in the media center in Planitza after the 4x10 kilometer men's relay here. We are joined today by Chris Jeffries, the high performance boss of the team from Canada, which had an absolutely outstanding fifth place finish in today's event. We'll be back for a couple more races after today to wrap up the world championships here. Stay tuned. All right, this is still Nat Hers, still here from FasterSkier.com, and I am coming back to you with a pitch, which is something that we do not do very often. But I am here on site in Planica, Slovenia for the World Championships, where I am literally the only journalist here from North America, the US or Canada. It costs a tremendous amount of money for Faster Skier to send me here. It's honestly quite astonishing to me that, that they're able to do it. Um, but you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be getting this kind of material, the stories we've been hearing, the inside scoops we've been getting on the podcast without that investment. And we are hoping that you will support this work. We're still on a, st- a shoestring budget here. I'm paying for my own meals, miscellaneous expenses. But Faster Skier is making a considerable investment in this coverage of North American cross-country skiing with help from our advertisers, those of you who already subscribed this past year, and a generous contribution from Marty and Kathy Hall. So if you have the means and you want to see coverage like this continue of the next World Championships or other high-profile races like next year's Tour to Ski in the Minneapolis World Cup, send us a contribution through our voluntary membership program. You can find that at fasterskier.com support. Again, that's fasterskier.com support. Speaking of support, we are enormously grateful for all the engagement, all the kind, generous emails you've sent over the past year, and uh, we will continue. So thanks, and uh, please give the voluntary subscription program a thought. Thanks. Okay, sweet. We're we're here. It's, uh, this is amazing. This is like, uh, Devin, can you describe what just happened in the last 15 minutes and how this is a very normal and uh, very formal and serious way that we uh, get our, our podcast guests lined up? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? It's... Um... We got lucky. We have the high performance director for Nordic Canada, Chris Jeffries, who has been at world championships the entire time. This is his first full season or first full time year as the high performance director with the national ski team programming in Canada. And we're thrilled to have Chris join us today and break down the relay because the men's relay today, four by 10, while some parts were very predictable and the race for gold was over before it started, really, uh, there was some amazing storylines throughout. And I'm really thrilled to have Chris Join our join our little hodgepodge crew here of well hodgepodge crew of two, mostly one and a half. Nat is the one point two five, and I'm the point two five of that one and a <laughs> half. And uh, to break down the relay, I thought it was a phenomenal day. And I guess I just want to start, Chris, by saying thanks for joining us, and then also congratulations. Like, what what an amazing day! And I'll I'll just come right out of the gate. I know we will break down the race a little bit, but but um, it must be just an amazing some amazing vibes in the Canadian camp right now after a performance like that. What do you think? Yeah. Thanks. Chris. First off, uh, thanks for having me and long time listener. I, although you, you say there are no listeners and why would anybody listen? Uh, I am one of them. 
uh but yeah no for sure uh i mean killer like yeah really really happy team right now um i think one of our objectives this year is to, is to really kind of rebuild the culture of our program kind of from top to bottom and in days like today uh there's been there, I mean, there's been lots of highlights for us this this week throughout throughout the team that kind of shows what is possible as we build towards 2026 and 2030 as a program. And about that, about the culture piece, because I, we're getting right into it. I, I, but I have a, I have to ask a question because I feel like with you guys right now, the young guys, the the men's squad, are kind of the antithesis of what we were back in our day, like the Alex Harvey, Lenny, uh, George Gray, that that kind of era. Ivan Babakov. We had teams where we had three out of four starters on the relay with World Cup podiums, and we would underperform almost every time in the relay. Whereas these guys have been, you know, I've, I've been getting some criticism by calling some of, not calling them out personally, but calling out some of the performances we've seen at these World Championships and in the season. We we have guys that have like struggled this season deliver performances today that were. Almost, I'm almost speechless to describe them. They were so wonderful. And then also in the team sprint, we saw the same. Of course, Tony Sear, it has to be said, has multiple top tens. And like I've said over and over, if you're top ten in the World Cup a couple times in a season, you're you're knocking on the door. You're you're elite. But aside from that, the other three guys on the team just don't have the same Paul Mares behind them, and they all skied outside of themselves. And I think that does speak volumes to the culture that I was, I was really impressive. I guess that wasn't a question. That was just a, that was just a statement. No, but <laughs> that's, 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 that's normal Kershaw like statements versus questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the, and yeah, and to, to your first point, which is how hard it is to bring four people together. Like I, I did go back and look at 2010 when the four of you guys were, were skiing at like at such an amazing level. Like we had, we had three guys in the top 10 of the skiathlon uh you were fifth place or fourth place in the 50k babs was what like fourth or fifth in the 15k and you were seventh and and yeah there's no russians here today which uh obviously um we know where they would be in in today's ranking but still fifth uh place finish like it speaks a lot to the belief and even like tony and 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 richie like seventh in uh in Oberstdorf in, in 2021, um, six last year in uh, Beijing, and then fourth here in, in this team sprint. And for, for whatever reason, these guys they, these guys believe. And I um, I can't give enough credit to to Robin this week and how he he really framed the relay with the four boys. Like we only have four boys here. I mean, at the start of the year. Zav was not on our when we, when we penciled in the relay for this year, our world champs. Zav was not on it. He's as as we all know, um, last year junior. And there's we have a lot we have a lot of young guys in our in our team that that we thought could have been here, but with injuries and and other complications, um, we were left with four guys here at the championship. But uh, just Robin really made them a part of the conversation throughout the week even even when it came down to like who started the 15k free two days ago um because we obviously asked the question should should zav race the 15k or should he prep for for the relay today and 
and the boys, his teammates, were adamant that they thought he should do the 15K. And then every for the last couple of days, they're Robin has met with them every single day, even about the order of the relay and and who should start and and who where people should fit. Like we we probably had penciled in Richie to go fourth and Oli to go third. But um this is the this is the this is the the relay order that the boys came up with that they are really excited about. Um Zav's a junior still, but I mean he's he's tailor made for that scramble leg of the relay, kind of like you were, right? Just really good fighter, really good on his skis, um, really good at pace changes. So to us, like he's he's kind of that scramble leg guy for for the years to come. So to give him to start that experience for him now, uh, and then just I think you mentioned it earlier on when we were talking briefly before, like our skis today were ridiculous, especially in the classic, like the skis all day for all of our men allowed them just to be a little bit smarter in how they skied a little bit smarter in, in where they put themselves in the pack, giving themselves a little bit more space over the tops of hills and the downhills, knowing that they could close the gap, no problem, run up on the others, find their space. Uh, and so it all, it all just worked. And you know how those relays go, like, right. Once you're, if you're in the mix, and you can stay in the pack, like amazing things happen. And and you look at like the Americans today, like they had a stronger team than us on paper. They they struggled in that second leg. And and even though they they if they were in the mix too, I'm sure they would have been there all the way through. But yeah, you lose contact and and all of a sudden the race gets smaller and smaller. And the goal is to be there at the end. And and uh yeah, it was it was it was fun. I mean. I, I don't have uh, I don't have a lot to add here. I think I just honestly I was joking with a bunch of other reporters today about about like how everyone could take a nap and and wake up in two hours and come back and interview the Norwegians and and call it a day. But you know the Canadians and also the the Germans and the Swedes and the French like made this a fantastic race. And I you know I, I particularly. You know, I was, I was, I was kind of watching the race and, um, you know, I don't know these Canadian athletes too well, but, you know, I know that, um, that Zav like on a good day has like really good engine and capacity. And then Tony obviously has been like better than in the mix on the world cup this year. So, I mean, if I'm being honest, like, you know, I kind of watched those first two legs and I was like, wow, cool. That Zav made it in with those leaders after the, the first leg. And then Tony was sort of a foregone conclusion that he'd probably be able to hang. But then like when they, when they passed off to Graham Ritchie, who, um, you know, I think again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most informed about the Canadian team, but I certainly look at Graham as like more of a sprinter. And, and Chris made the point earlier that, you know, he hung on really well in the team sprint, but, but still, I mean, the team sprint, like, yeah, definitely demands some aerobic some aerobic capacity but like it's not a distance race and and you know i was standing in the in the mix zone watching the race on the board and kind of just waiting for graham to get popped and you know i was again talking with some of these like uh swedish swedish reporters and i we, i was sort of commenting how the canadians were hanging tough and these guys are like he's done he'll be he'll be done soon and uh and then you know like every kilometer was ticking by and and he was hanging with the pack and then you know, it's not like it, this. These were not like second and third tier, like random Swedes. Like this was Paroma, who is the net, the, the next coming of, you know, Swedish skiing. And not only does Graham Ritchie hang with with Paroma for 10K, but like he doesn't get dropped on the last hill. He he actually puts like 
couple meters on those guys coming in into the finish. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, maybe there was a little bit of gamesmanship going on with the, with the fins up front and no one wanting to be the guy to kind of burn all the matches, but like, I just, I mean, it was awesome. And then for, for Olivier to, to hang on for basically the, the entire fourth lap. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, you wanted him to hang on to the finish, but you know, there it's, it's not that far from, you know, where he was to where the medals were. So I just, I loved every minute of today. Um, I thought we were, we had Chris on to break down the Norwegian performance. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it, it was a great race. I don't know you, Devin, you must have stuff to say by now. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think like we should break down the race cause it actually had a lot of fun storylines that I was, that I was in impressed with of course we're going to circle back towards the canadians because i think you said some impressive stuff and i want to talk more about graham ritchie's performance and olivier's performance i know people at home they were watching maybe canadians that aren't following it super super closely may have been disappointed or whatever that that you saw olivier kind of come undone a little bit at the end of that based on the other people he was racing against but the fact of the matter is like these are all heavy hitters and these are all guys that are like consummate top 10 performers and Olivier has not been that in a couple years so I thought he skied a hell of a day uh like too but let's just call it what it is we'll get through this really quickly those that are bored stiff Norway was not going to be denied they did the opposite of what Sweden did yesterday when everyone was like okay the Swedish women are going to win this relay no problem the conditions were difficult again today people watching at home it was like right around zero degrees Celsius again really tough conditions Chris was talking about waxing and that sort of stuff and it's it's so hard when it's right around zero because you're going to go with clister, which gives you great grip, but can ice if the temperature drops just that little bit or or if it's super dirty and picks up a bunch of dirt. Or you're going to go with rub skis where if the temperature drops two degrees, you have zero kick and now you have horrendous skis or you rub them up too hard with sandpaper and you, and you have dogs under your feet that just aren't gliding for shit. So it was a tough waxing day, and I, I am so impressed with what uh, the Canadian wax staff did today, too. I, I, it was super noticeable that the skis were running really well. That said, the Norwegians had great skis. There was some discussions when they put Holland starting first, because Holland doesn't have that scramble leg characteristics, can you say? Like, Holland is an engine. Like, Holland's the guy you want on that third leg if you didn't have a Seaman Hegstad Kruger on that third leg, who's the best skater in the world. And instead, he started first, Holland led off, and I was sitting there going like, oh my God, because it doesn't happen often that someone just explodes the pack in the scramble egg and goes alone, especially when conditions are hard and the course isn't hard. Like the course for the relay, I'm sorry, is like not that challenging here compared to some other championship courses we've seen. And what Holland did was nothing short of amazing. And then after that, the writing was on the wall. Like, Paul Goldberg's been the, the best or second best skier of the entire season. Playbo is the anchorman you, you want to have, and then you have the best skater in the world. So there's really not much else to say about the Norwegian team. They were completely dominant, as expected, and they all skied, they all skied beautifully, and they did what they needed to do to win. I mean, Holland made the race, and everyone else just kind of feel like skied zone three for them to take gold. After that, though, it was a ton, and we didn't talk about this, Nada. kind of pissed at ourselves for not talking about this, but Finland. I was so thrilled to see Finland on the podium. Ristimaki Hakala has been so good in the past and has been struggled with injuries and illness in the last few years have been nothing short of a train wreck. He didn't ski that great a first leg either. I mean, he did. He was right in the pack. He did what he needed to do, but still. And Niskanen skied a lights out leg 
of course, with all the rest in the pack, but he looks super good doing it. Irvinen has been really good as well. Like he's been top 10 in some races this year and has been top 10 multiple seasons in a row, but they've lacked that fourth guy. You know what I mean? They've lacked that fourth guy. Then the, the Finnish media blew up about them starting Nico Antola, which Chris will know from his dominant performances at world juniors. And it was like, what the hell are we doing? Starting a junior, not only starting a junior in our relay, but anchoring with a junior in our relay and the performance of Nico Antola was the thing of legend. I was so impressed with him at world juniors. I want to get Chris's perspective on that on, on the day, but he's a junior guys and the guy anchors them in to second. Unbelievable. Got to get Chris's perspective. But before we do Germany in third, a little bit like Canada delivering with the team events, which I think is so phenomenal. It's like Germany, the German men, Moch has been good. Frederick Moch has been really, really good. The rest of the German guys have been completely anonymous. And they even start a guy that like no one's even ever heard of with Albert Kuchler. And they end up with a bronze medal. It, it's phenomenal. But let's get your perspective, Chris, especially the Antola, because I think he's he's one to watch in the future. Yeah, well, obviously, you got to question any uh, any team that's going to start a junior in the relay at the uh, World Ski Championships. But um, <clears throat> the and, and kind of going back to the start of of the race and when the Norwegians basically went ahead uh, with oh, the one K mark, I was kind of like, we were really pumped about that. I think a lot of the nations were really pumped about that because everyone just kind of resigned themselves to the fact that Norway was going to take the gold. And there would be a kind of like a sub race that would start to evolve behind it um, without the animation of the Norwegians, like kind of mid first leg, kind of really busting it out. And then, and then once that happened, you kind of knew that the Finns had Niskanen going second and chances are similar would happen, right? Like no one would really want to mess with him in the first couple K and risk, run the risk of, of completely sewering their leg. Um, and then that kind of fell into the, the, their strategy. And, and by the time it got to Antela, it was like, it was pretty much impossible for any of the other teams that kind of come back unless somebody really wanted to, to take a flyer with, uh, right off the, right off the start of the, the fourth leg and run the risk of losing that, that third place. So, um, we were really happy with the strategy of how it went out and, and we think it played really well into our success today. But what about Antola? Oh, I mean, Antola, he was what, top 20 uh, in the 15K? Was he top 20 or top 25? Top 20? Yeah. And I mean, we saw him at World Juniors in the mass start. He basically was at the front the entire time and kind of paid the price that way. But and then was beast mode again in the in the 10K at World Juniors. Um, he, he did ridiculous results on World Cup earlier in the season as well. So he's probably a, a junior that's skiing more like a, a top-level senior. I um, I wanted to chime in. Uh, I mean, I also would say he did kind of like, I mean, the race got exciting toward the end. Like that gap was shrinking. Uh, and like by the time that chase pack uh, got into the stadium, it was like, uh, or, or got toward the stadium and went out on that last sprint loop. It, there was a second where it was like, holy smokes, uh, this this actually could be close. It, it wasn't, but uh, you know, there was there was a little excitement there. The other thing that actually, it, it, I, I was not, it, it's hard, you're in the mix zone, like you're not really getting like a good, you can see the live TV, but there isn't commentators, like there's a lot of distractions. And uh, so 
but I was looking at the results because um, Janusz Brueger, the, the second German skier, he got dropped. And Germany was like out of that chase pack. And then uh, Jonas Dobler skied them back into it. And I, I don't, what I don't have a great sense of is like, is, is that because those skiers on that third leg were in the chase pack were kind of dogging it and gave Germany the opening? Or was that really kind of like a heroic effort by Dobler? But I mean, it, like a totally just incredible result for Germany. And, you know, I was talking a little bit with, uh, with Peter Nielsen, the, the coach of the women's team who obviously, you know, he's like out there grilling, uh, Frankfurters and, and, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, whatever sausage, uh, after the race by the German truck where they, you know, they really know how to celebrate. And he was saying like, they actually didn't even get, for German men qualifying for world championships, like under their objective criteria, which was like, you know, top 15 finish on the world cup. And, you know, it's just been kind of grim. Like it's been, it's been a very long time. I don't have the number on hand, but, you know, probably close to a decade since, um, since the, uh, Germans were on the podium in, in a relay event and and just you know but like Axel Teichmann is here he's actually coaching with Per Nielsen the the German women I think and so like you know you got just like the last remnants of that generation of Germans that was good but this I mean between today getting a bronze and you saw them celebrating that bronze medal like it was platinum gold um and uh yeah so just really really fun to see that fun to see the fins in there and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I don't really care that Norway like ran away with it. Like there was enough drama. I, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they could have just handed the medal to Norway again, like a couple of weeks ago and, and run this race for silver and bronze. And it maybe like that fist, if you're listening, you could, you could try that as an option. I don't know that the rest of the countries would go for that, but uh, you know, gotta, gotta sell those TV ads. So no, but it is interesting. It's, it is super interesting what you said. I mean, like the cool thing too, is like, we've talked a lot about Russia not being here and not being at the world championships. And of course, like in some of the races, especially in the Skiathlon, for example, like you, you, you asked the question, like if Bolshinov was there or like a Travotkin or somebody in, in shape, like would that change, would that have changed the dynamic of the racing? But the cool thing is with this relay is if the Russians were here, would it have changed the dynamic of the race? Like probably not. A Russian would have gone with Holland and then it would have been a two horse race for most of the most of the thing and then the excitement that we got for those medals would have still happened it just might have been for the bronze instead of silver and bronze so I I, I was thrilled I, I think too like I just keep coming back to the same thing I'm glad you brought up Dobler's amazing leg too it reminded me of Pia, Pia Fink's amazing leg yesterday the only difference being is that Pia Fink was seventh in the individual race and and Dobler is completely anonymous these 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 days and i i think it's it's fantastic to see canada is in this group too germany's in this group like on relay day you have these guys that like you look on paper and you're like there's no way they're going to be fighting for a medal i'm sorry like because you know you just you can go through fists and go look at the results and add up the amount of top tens for all these guys on these teams and, and try and put it into some lexicon or, or some sort of matrix and, and figure out who will do well but that's the beauty of the four by ten like surprises happen and it, it can be incredibly exciting like it was today i think the french as they always do they always seem to meddle in the relay and i look at their start list and i see who they start and what what jumps out at you all these guys are better at skating and they got burned with that today because like you're starting with juve because juve has won sprints in classic on the world cup and he's not he's an okay and he's an okay distance here when he wants to be 
man, it would have been nice to have Juve. You can't, I don't know what you guys thought, but for me, like I would have loved to see Juve on that last leg instead of Lapierre trying to sprint in for medals. And, but if you don't have two classic skiers and two skate skiers, you're kind of, you're kind of left and you're burnt. And then the Swedes, the Swedish men, Oh, like, no, but, but honestly, because like Halverson's been skiing super well. Porma, we all know how I feel about Porma. Berman has been just like one back injury after another. It's incredible that he's even standing on two feet, but he hasn't been skiing too, too bad considering he's barely raced the last few seasons. But this was just a bad day. Like, what, what can you say? Like the Swedish men were favorites to take a medal and all of them underperformed. And I thought Porma, I read some articles with this quotes from Porma at the end that I found really interesting. He was just saying like, our skis were fine. We just didn't have a good day today. And that happens. And I, I'm super upset about it, but like, it, it was pretty cool to see him take, take responsibility or, or just call it what it was. And, that, and that's the other thing we can never forget with sport too. We're talking heads or I'm a talking head and, and stuff, or just a voice. Thank God. No one needs to see my ugly mug, but um, it's uh these guys always tried their best and it was a surprise. And I, I don't know what I was going to ask you, Nat, if you heard anything from the Swedish media, like sixth place was a huge disappointment. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it was, they were, you know, even in the middle of the race, they were still like, you know, we're going to win a medal and it's going to be the first men's medal in the relay in in six years. And then, I mean, man, Cal Halverson, I, like, I don't know. I mean, it, it didn't seem like it, it's not fair to put it on, on one guy. Right. Cause like Paroma, didn't drop Canada didn't drop any of these other guys and then and then Halverson just like came completely unbuckled in that in that um on that last lap and I you know we we were I was joking with some folks and have not proven to be necessarily some of the best losers uh at this championship and you know I'm curious to see what we hear from Cal Halverson who's you know kind of uh advanced excuses such as like uh, i didn't need a power bar and i got tired in the in the sprint or the sprint relay and then like i had bad skis and frida says i have bad skis and so i'm you know it's it's it is kind of nice and encouraging to hear that uh paroma was really you know just taking responsibility but i you know i'll be curious to see how uh how how halverson is uh is quoted and and you know i was kind of laughing with with a swedish reporter in the mix zone that like of course halverson is like the guy that you know loses the medal for sweden it's just it's poetic uh in a tragicomic kind of way i don't know if you have anything to add chris uh no but i mean championships as you know kershaw like it's a different beast right it's, it's not it's not the world cup um there's an ebb and flow to the week like you're here for so long you're in the same hotels you're on the same training grounds uh there's a monotony to it that can kind of ebb and flow with your like your energy and and it's uh i think is why it makes the the relays at a major championship at the very towards the very end so interesting because you can't it's not about what happened on paper anymore and it's uh rarely does it ever go to script and the wax conditions usually play a role in it some teams might uh, mess up but you said this morning with the classic like it was it was probably a pretty good 50 50 split out there between rubs and and clister and i think we we were we were on the right side of the decision i was uh i was really excited when i got there this morning and and kind of found out that we were going to go the road of clister today and uh put the rubs away we 
our, ours were not very fast yesterday, our Rubskis. Um, but yeah, the major championships, I've, it's been a while since I've been here and being this like kind of in tune with, with all of it at this level. Um, so it's been a really good learning curve for me just to see how it evolves over the course of the week and, and think more strategically towards future championships. I was just going to piggyback on that a little bit. And that's what makes those young guys, the Canadians, especially their performance that that much more impressive and a guy like Anthola's performance so impressive and the Germans it's it's like the Canadians for example got the floor wiped with them as early as two days ago in the 15k skate where it was a super disappointing day after a super disappointing day of the skiathlon to open the individual races and you had that huge highlight that I hoped that the Canadians would take into that individual race that that kind of high that momentum that we were talking about with Sophie Caldwell yesterday and it didn't happen and that's what I find it so fascinating that these guys can come together like you said Chris I think it's it's cool you brought that up with the championship because like I don't think people truly understand that yeah, it is monotonous but there's that pressure that's there the whole time and the technicians just keep getting more and more tired and that's why good leaders like you said, Robin McKeever, the new national team head coach, it's important to have good leaders, especially in adversity. When there is a team event coming up, that's like, Hey man, we're not dead till we're dead. And not only are we not dead, till we're dead. Let's try and get out there and like put together a great race. If everyone skis well, magic can happen. And magic did happen. And they were fifth. And, and the same thing happened with the Germans. The same thing happened with the Finns and the opposite happened with the Swedes and the Americans. I, mean, I feel so bad, like just to touch a little bit on the Americans, I, cause Gus was finally feeling better skiing, skiing better. I thought his 19th place in the, in the, in the 15 K was a step in the right direction. Scott Patterson, you know, had a struggled a bit in the skiathlon there. And then in the 15 K was solid in 15. And these are also young guys other than Scott, but Gus Hunter and Ben are, are young guys, like big, good future. And Hunter just completely comes undone in that second leg, like you said, 30 minutes ago, Nat, and sewers all the the American chances, although it's not only his fault. And that's the cool thing with the relay is you need four guys. And if you have two and a half guys or three guys, how many times have we seen relays with Finland where they have three amazing guys and one Finn just completely shits the bed and they and they're not even close to the podium. That happened. I feel like that's happened year after year after year. And that was why it was so cool to see the Finns finally deliver today. But you saw that with the Americans today, but they're young, they're an exciting team. And they've got a lot of young development guys behind, behind Hunter, Ben and, and Gus that, that can make waves for this relay team moving forward. So I thought, although maybe the American fans were a little disappointed that it went so horribly wrong, never forget that it was really only one leg that went horribly wrong. And there's a lot of young guys too. And Hunter will bounce back. He's had a fantastic season. So uh, you got to put these these performances to bed because there's still one more to go, and it's it's the big bad five zero. Yeah, I mean, I like I the um, I mean, the Americans were seventh, which on the men's side is like I think actually pretty respectable. And um, yeah, uh, I think you heard from the coaching staff the exact same thing. Just you know, you, you need four out of four, not three out of four. Um, and uh, it's funny you were smack talking the Finns because the the Finns are actually sitting right or standing right in front of us, uh, taking their their medal photos right now. Boulder Nordic Sport is the industry leading resource for cross country ski equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand selected skis. Whether you're looking to tour the local park 
finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the next Olympic team, Boulder Nordic Sports' passionate staff can help you find the perfect gear for your skiing experience. Visit bouldernordic.com to shop one of the biggest selections of ski gear in the country, download a digital copy of the annual BNS magazine, or sign up for one of our professional race wax services for world masters and other key races. You can also find extensive waxing instruction on the BNS YouTube channel. The only other thing I was going to add was uh, interesting, interesting news here. Uh, Jesse Diggins is going to sit the uh, 30K class or 30K classic tomorrow. Uh, and this was like <laughs> the team was like, they kind of shared it. And then they were like, oh, actually, can you not say anything about that? Because we don't want to tip off uh, Tyrell Wang. And I was like, well, we're not exactly doing like breaking, you know, Chiron, CNN style Chirons of like <laughs> Jesse Diggins is not starting or is starting this particular race. So whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, kind of interesting decision. And and I guess, you know, 100 World Cup points on the line at the Holman Cole and 50K plus 90 bonus points. And so like, I think, you know, they're really seeing a lot at stake there. Sounds like, you know, Jesse is is striking distance on the World Cup overall at this point, or at least that's how they feel about it. So kind of. And, yeah. ch- and a chance to make history, right? Like historic, it's a historical race. Like you can be the first ever women's 50K champion at Holman Cole. I think I think it's the right decision, 100% for Jesse. And I think Jesse has made smarter calls this year than ever before in her career, aside from the tour de ski stuff. But they were so tight lipped with the tour de ski that none of us knew that their staff was decimated with COVID, and they had they were running like two and a half wax technicians for the entire team. So that was a bit frustrating uh, for them. But but Jesse skipping the 30k, I'm sorry, Jesse's an amazing athlete. You've seen the conditions. You guys are on site. You know what the snow is like. We know how Jesse Diggins has been skiing in classic with tough conditions. The the, the fact of the matter is like this 30k classic was not going to be a medal chance for Jesse. Whereas, as Chris said and alluded to, the most important, the kitzbühel of cross country skiing is Holman Colon, the oldest World Cup there is on the calendar. It brings out the fans. We got good snow here in Oslo and it it's going to be history making finally the women get to race the full nordic marathon distance the 50k in a in a fabled venue so smart call by jesse and as for the the overall for sure she's within striking distance but again this white whale of classic skiing this season especially in tough conditions and in p4 in the spring uh, classic conditions are tough often so she's going to have to make bank on that 50k like you said Nat. And, and if she could get a bunch of bonus points and win the race that's what she needs to do if she wants to hoist that big globe after after things went sideways in the uh, in in the tour de ski for her. Well, on that note, um, it's really thrilling that it's four o'clock, and I think we're almost done recording the podcast, which means I can go have my daily four four euro salad from Salad Bar. Chris can get back to the. Um, weird squeaky toys in the uh, Canadian wax truck and uh, Devin Devin can get back to uh, the gastrointestinal system and uh, yeah medical physiology by Walter Boron and Arnold Bullpape it's English but it's uh, 1300 plus pages and that's only one of many one of many I'm cheating by reading English books that's right because you know what Norway there's only 5 million Norwegians that speak this language. So any chance I get to speak God's language of English, I'm just kidding. But I, I do, I do uh, pick, I do pick English textbooks when I can, no question.
Well, thanks a lot for joining us, Chris. I really appreciate it. And you guys have a wonderful afternoon and, and biggest congrats to all the young guns you have there and also the staff and big, big sending a massive good luck to Catherine Stewart-Jones, 30K Classic. This is a race for her for sure. And if you guys keep delivering the skis like you have, it's going to be pretty exciting to see Catherine finally get a chance to race the race that uh, suits her best at this championship. So we're cheering loudly from here. Thanks, guys. Peace, folks. Later. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.